And then my wife brought me some, bought me some Congos. In fact, I think we finally donated them to the church because I played those for two weeks before she finally gave them to the church. And then she bought me a harmonica. I haven't seen that for a while. <laughs> yep. Yeah. My kids got their musical ability from me. Somebody took it. Are you guys doing good? Wow, we're having a good time. We just got back from Jubilee Christian Center. Do you guys know where that's at in San Jose? And uh, that was a lot of fun. We had a team down there, and, and uh, Georgian was there. Do you guys know Georgian? There's something right with that guy. He's crazy. And his wife was there, which is like 24-7 drunk. I don't know how many times they carried her out of the sanctuary. Oh, it's crazy. She was so... She's crazy. And she's not happy unless you're drinking with her. I still had the Statue of Liberty anointing. <laughs> well, let's pray and see what we're going to do. <laughs> Paul's all, you got a word? I'm like, kind of, a little one. <laughs> Maybe it'll get longer. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. We pray for these people. Thank you, Lord. We pray for these people, Lord. We pray for patience. How many of you have ever prayed for patience? Okay, we'll test you tonight to see if it's working. Lord, we pray for patience. We pray for Lord, we just pray for your presence just to rest on us. In the name of Jesus. You know, um, I just can't go on yet. When we were worshiping, I felt like uh, there was some people here who just, you just need peace in your life. And I'm not talking about the absence of conflict with people. Maybe you need that. But I mean peace like inside. And I went through a season in my life, I just I told you about the last few months, where I would have given anything to have peace. And... Uh, I just really feel like, and then Bill made some passing comments today. I think it was today, or it may have been at the conference, where he talked about peace. And I think it was at the conference. And he talked about releasing your peace. When you go to someone's house, release your peace. And if there's people of peace there, then let your peace rest on them. And I just felt like, there's, uh, I felt like there was several people in here, like you're just in turmoil inside. I'm talking about inside the kingdom that's within you. Would you just stand if that's you? I bet you there's a lot of people because I was so strong during worship. Yeah. You know, I went through a, a season for, I don't know how long it lasted. It always seems longer when you're in it and shorter when you get out. But it felt like I drank about 10 cups of coffee all day long, like my adrenaline gland was like on overload. And... uh is there any more people than that? Just I feel like there's more people. I don't know what you'd be embarrassed about. Heck, it's family. Whatever. I guess if you won't stand, you must not be in that much turmoil. Because <laughs> I would have stood in a minute. I would have ran to the front. I don't want, please don't run to the front. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Uh, just put your hand on your belly right there. 
And we're just going to pray for peace. Lord, we just release peace. We release peace. Holy Spirit, we just, you said that we had something to give away. And we just release it over all these people. Father, that it would manifest in the, their mind. That their mind wouldn't race. That they would be able to sleep normally. There would be no tormenting thoughts. There would be no tormenting emotions. Sometimes it's not even thoughts, just emotions. There'd be no tormenting emotions. There'd be no tormenting thoughts. There would be, there would be uh, that peace that passes all understanding. If there's turmoil externally in their life, that, they would, that there would just be something that, that they, get, they get peace about that, that you're in charge. That whatever it is that's going on in their life, that you're in charge. Lord, I just pray for the gift of faith right now. That, that you would just release the gift of faith over these people who are standing. How many of you know that worry is faith in the wrong kingdom? I'm not saying that to condemn anybody. I mean, I, I know it. I have a Ph.D. in worry. How many of you that are even sitting can say that you've worried once? Or maybe twice, yes. Lord, we just release peace over them right now. If you're close to them, just, just put your hand on their shoulder... I just I feel like this is really important what we're doing here. A lot of people a lot of people are going to really go home tonight with just and they're going to be able to sleep tonight. They're going to be able to lay down and rest. I know that I would be so exhausted I'd lay on my couch and my mind would just would just spin. I was just spinning all the time, just compulsive thinking. Lord, I just release your peace. And I know there's how many I know there's lots of people standing, maybe there's a hundred people standing, but I, I feel like this is a word like almost to everyone individually, like it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. You know, that's one of the most powerful things anyone said to me in those three or four months. They would just come to me, Danny, some of the team would just say, I just want to tell you something. I don't know how it's gonna work out, but it's gonna be okay. And when they tell me that, they'd just be like, it's almost like the Holy Spirit would just come through those words. It's going to be okay. It's all going to work out fine. Father, we just release that over them right now. We just release that over them right now in the name of Jesus. It's going to be okay. It's all going to work out fine. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And sometimes, uh, that, this, stay standing, those of you that are getting prayed for, just a couple more things. Sometimes it would come as waves. I'm talking about the... Uh, uh, fear, fear and anxiety would just come as waves. And Lord, we just put a barrier up to those waves right now in Jesus' name. We put a barrier up to those waves. Sometimes it would come as an arrow, like I'd be doing fine, and all of a sudden it's like someone shot me in the heart with a thought. And Lord, we just right now we just cut those thoughts off. We just pull those arrows out, and we just we just mend the shield of faith. We just mend the shield of faith. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, even as Paul today, tonight was praying and, and Chris was singing over us about remembering the works of the Lord. Father, I just pray that the works of the Lord would be like a flame of fire around them, protecting them and shielding them. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and sit down. Um, last week on Sunday night, we started talking about 
what it means to be led by the Spirit. Is how many of you were here last week? How many of you were not here last week? Where, where were you guys? <laughs> wow. I know I've said this before, but good thing Jesus didn't become, huh? You guys have been reading that book, Left Behind. <laughs> Whatever. Turn to Romans 8, and we'll just do a little bit of um, review. And I have a few things that I think are, I want to share with you that are different. Um, Romans 8, verse 14, we'll kind of key in on that verse. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs, and if heir, uh, heirs also, and heirs of God, fellow heirs of Christ Jesus, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. And so um, last week we talked about, we took this scripture and we talked about that being led by the Spirit, like, what does it mean? You know, does it mean, does it mean that I, I, I pull up to the, the drive-through window and I say, Holy Spirit, should I have chicken or should I have a hamburger? Now, some of you know the answer to that. And you vegetarians. That's a deceptive spirit. That's right. If God want us, did want us to only eat vegetables, He wouldn't create cows. And cats in some countries. <laughs> they taste like chicken. Anyway, uh, I mean, what does it actually mean to be led by the Spirit? And we talked about this last week. It's like, what does it really mean? Because it says, everyone who's led by the Spirit are sons of God. And he goes on to say that if we are not led by the Spirit, then we are actually in the flesh. And, he, and I've said this before, but there's good flesh and bad flesh. <laughs> there's the flesh that you're supposed to nourish and cherish, right? Ephesians chapter 5, Paul said no one's ever hated his own... Come on, you guys. No one's ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. And then he uses the way that we nourish our flesh as a sign of the way that, the, that Christ nourishes the church. So there's the redeemed flesh that we're supposed to nourish and cherish. Come on. And then there's the other flesh that you're supposed to, like, kill. Not counsel, kill. Man, that's a good word right there. I think my message is over. See, part of the problem is, is that we're trying to counsel our old flesh instead of kill it. <laughs> That's just a good word. Look at this. It's going to say it in the Bible. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you. Ready? It's in Romans 6. And it says, verse 4, Therefore, if we have been buried with Him through baptism into it, the words death. Everybody say death. death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we might walk in newness of life. For if we've become united with Him in the likeness of His 
death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified. Like, when you get crucified, it means you, you, you died. I don't know anyone who's ever lived through a crucifixion. Now, there's people who's lived through a hanging. I watched a Western, like the guy lived through the hanging. I just thought I should tell you what I know, so we're not exaggerating. <laughs> it, it may have just been Hollywood, though. I don't know if anyone's ever really lived through a hanging. Okay, can we go on? <laughs> Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might what? Be done away with, so that we would no longer be what? Slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. So now if we have died with Christ, remember have, not we're going to, <laughs> you know what that means, right? You're the grateful dead. You got it? So you're already dead to sin and alive to Christ. Okay, so, and so it says that in here. We're moving on. So consider yourself, look, look, verse 11, there it is. For consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its lust. Everybody say, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you obey its lust okay now because he says do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies if you turn over to Romans 8 are you there now that's like two pages over see if I can find it now oh dang it it's in here though Hang on, I'll find it. Here it is. Verse 11. For if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your what? Mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Did you get that? Do you know why He has to give life to your mortal bodies? Because... When you went to the baptismal tank, he killed you. So then he has to give life to your, the same spirit that raised Jesus from your, from, from your dead. From the dead is trying to give life to your mortal bodies. Why? Because your old man, your old body was sinful. And so when he comes and he leads you by the spirit, he gives life not just to your spirit, but to your mortal body so that the man who was crucified, that man's dead. The Lord's not trying to counsel the old man. He's trying to kill him. And it says that everyone who is all, everyone who is led by the Spirit are sons of God. But the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Now, the flesh that he's talking about there is not the flesh that we that we're supposed to nourish and cherish in Ephesians chapter 5, the flesh he's talking about there is the one we were supposed to drown in Romans 6. 
<laughs> do you, did you get that? See, there's flesh you're supposed to kill, and there's flesh you're supposed to nourish. And if you're, if you're nourishing the flesh you're supposed to kill, then you're actually in the wrong spirit. You know, I said that pretty well, actually. I was up front worrying about how I was going to tell you that you need to die and live. And, and then I actually thought I did that pretty well. Now, turn to Galatians. No, that's all right. I'd rather you just send money. <laughs> and I think that's the old flesh. See, that's an example of the old flesh. <laughs> I was, I was being an example. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So, you're probably, if you're like me, you're saying, okay, how do I know when i am actually got my mind on the right flesh? Because if I have my mind on the flesh that I'm supposed to nourish and cherish, how many know that's, that's okay? But if I have my mind set on the flesh I'm supposed to crucify, that's not okay. And not only that, but when I put my mind, when I put my mind on the flesh I'm supposed to crucify, it says that my mind becomes an enemy to the spirit that's trying to lead me. Okay, let me say it one more time. If I have my mind on the flesh I'm supposed to crucify, not counsel, but crucify, it says that my mind actually becomes an enemy to the spirit who's supposed to lead me. Are you following me? So it should be kind of important, like, okay, so if there's a flesh I can nourish and cherish and think about, and there's a flesh that I'm not even supposed to think about, because as soon as I start thinking about it, I start resurrecting them. It's called necromancing. Why is it called that? Never mind, I, I don't want to know right now. Tell me privately. <laughs> I thought necromancy is what we did as teenagers. People, other people did that. I... See, that's the flesh you're not supposed to nourish and cherish. Okay, so are you there? Are you in Galatians chapter 5? I have a good message. I'm not sure that I have the right crowd. Verse 16. <laughs> have you ever had that before? Like the right word but the wrong person? Okay, verse 16. Are, is everyone there? Is everyone there? Okay, good. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not, what? Carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets the desire against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things, so that you may not do the things you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. For the deeds of the flesh... Okay, here we go. Are you ready? These are the things you're not supposed to do... No, you're not supposed to think about. We can't even read them because we're not supposed to think about them. 
These are the things we're not supposed to think about. Verse 19, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Selah. Now, Selah in this particular context means don't think about it. (laughs) Did you get that? Okay. Of verse 21, we're still in verse 21. Is everyone there? Of which I... (laughs) I don't know why I'm being so stupid tonight. Of which I forewarned you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so... He makes it really clear, like, what things, what's the old flesh that you're not supposed to raise from the dead? You're not supposed to raise from the dead idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, immorality, impurity, sensuality, angers, disputes, dissensions, factions, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Got me? So when he says, if you set your mind on the flesh... You're dying. He's talking about these kind of things. He's talking about when you're angry, you're lustful, you're, you're, you want other people's stuff, you're jealous of me. Those things... <laughs> See? You know, I know why you're laughing. <laughs> Those things are the fruit that you're raising the old man from the dead. That's pretty serious, really. You know, it's one thing to get angry. It's another to be angry. Let let me just stop for a minute and and just be serious for a second here. It's one thing to get angry. Because Paul said, be angry and don't sin. It's another thing to be angry. Do you know what I mean by be angry? It's like you're walking around and you're, you're trying to release pressure by finding somebody that's doing something that you don't like so that you have permission to let go the monster that's in the basement. If you have that going on, that's the wrong flesh that you were supposed to not counsel but crucify. Uh, it doesn't mean that your new flesh doesn't need to be counseled. But your old flesh needs to be crucified. It's not your nature to be an angry person. It's not your nature. Listen, you've got to get this. If you received Jesus Christ and you got baptized, when you got baptized, you died. Nineteen times in the book of uh, Romans 6 it says you're dead. Forty-seven times in 5, 6, and 7, I mean 5, 6, 7, and 8, it says you're dead. So you're pretty dead. Unless you manage to somehow survive a crucifixion. Which I've never seen that on the movies. So you're pretty dead. And so if you have things going on your, in on your life that, are, that you're practicing. It says the person who practices these things. Practice makes you imperfect in this case. You didn't get that, did you? 
It says, he who practices these things will not inherit the kingdom. What things? Immorality, impurity, strife, contention. Are you getting me? You're you're living with somebody without being married to them. I'm a Christian. Well, I'm going to tell you a little secret. You're cultivating the old man, and the monster is about to kill what's left of the God in you. I don't know if that was really theologically accurate, but you know what I mean. Do you? You can't, you, can't live, you can't live against your nature for very long before it becomes your nature again. And what you're doing is you're, you are metaphorically going to the graveyard, digging up the man that you buried, and, you, and you're using your power to resurrect the old man, the old woman from the dead. Are you with me? And you're saying, okay, come and direct me and guide me. And Paul says, listen, if you have your mind set on these things then you can't be living in the Spirit because the, mind, the mindset that lusts, that is sensual, that's immoral, that's all these things, and then he says, etc., these things, these kind of things, the mindset, we're not talking about a bad hour, we're talking about like, this is the way you live. If this is the way you live, he goes, don't fool yourself because you're not going to get in the kingdom this way. You guys got all quiet, huh? Okay, and let's go on. But, verse 22, that's one T, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, come on, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's what? Now, those who belong to Christ... Have, been cruci- have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you see that? If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, one another and envying one another. Are you guys bored? Is this boring? How do I know, first of all, like, how do I know if I'm, sp- if I'm being led by the Spirit? We're going to talk about like specific things too. We'll get to that. Like, how do I know if I'm if I'm supposed to buy this house or move to this city? But how many of you know that the deeper core issues are? Do you have strife, envy, contention, bitterness, immorality? How many of you know that if you have that stuff going on in on your if you have that stuff in your life as a practice, like this is the way you live, you're not going to get a word on which house to get. Why? Because you're being led by the wrong spirit. In fact, that when you're in that mindset, the Bible says that your mind is actually an enemy to the spirit that you're trying to get to lead you. You know what that means? It means that if God gave you the word and said, move into this neighborhood, your mind would say, don't move into that neighborhood. It's at war. It says it's at war with the it's capital S spirit. So when you are when you're practicing these other things and you've raised the old man from the dead, I'm assuming that you are a Christian, and if you're in this place, you're probably a Christian, and you're like, well, these things are in my life. Okay, well you've raised the you've raised the old man from the dead. You're beginning to cultivate 
You're beginning to cultivate the wrong man. You say, well, how do I, you know, I, I just never know what to do. Okay, if you're cultivating these things in your life, you're not going to know what to do because every time the Holy Spirit tells your spirit what to do, your mind begins to war against the will of God. So, you know, you're trying to like, should I buy this car or that car? Should I, should I go, go to this church? Should I take that job? Listen, if you have these things going on in your life, you're not going to know what to do because your, your very mind is at war against the spirit that's trying to lead you. Well, I need to get some counseling. No, you need to get some killing. I'm talking about, okay, let me just separate here. I'm talking about the difference between practicing... Practicing means you got really good at it. It's become your nature again. Like sin has become your, the way you live. You're like, this is the way I live. Immorality is a part of, it isn't, it isn't a, just a part of my life. It's like, I live like this. This is the way I live. This is the way I think. I see a, a woman, I sexualize her. I see a man, I sexualize him. I, it's the way I live. It's like, okay, let me tell you, you, you can't, that mind right there that's doing that, Holy Spirit's not leading you when you are practicing this as a lifestyle. It's not leading you. Let's be real. Now, is, well, you're trying to say that you can't have a problem and be a Christian. But no, that's a, totally, a problem's a totally different thing problem means that I, I, I may have a struggle. Paul said our struggle is not against what? Isn't that interesting? That's a real Selah. Ephesians 6. Our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood. Isn't that interesting? Because a lot of people try to make Romans 7, I try to do the right thing, but I keep doing the wrong thing. They try to make that Paul's, that Paul was saying, this is my current situation. We talked about it last week, by the way. If you want better theology on it, get last week's CD. Because we did, we took the whole session to talk about 4, 5, 6, and, and 7, and what Paul meant by that. But let me tell you something, Paul wasn't saying, I am currently dealing with sin I can't stop sinning. He wasn't saying that. You have to read the whole book to get the point. And that's why in Ephesians he says, your struggle is not against flesh and blood. Well, wait a second. If I, have this, if, I, if I am living in sin and I have this struggle with sin, then how can my struggle not be against flesh and blood? Well, there's one of two things that could have happened. Well, there's one of three, actually. One, you could have not been born again. You could have had a false conversion. You could have prayed a prayer and never followed. I've never said that before. You don't get saved by praying a prayer. You get saved by following a man. Jesus never said, if you want to be my disciple, raise your hand. Repeat after me. So one thing that could have happened is, is that you prayed a prayer, but you, you actually never followed a man. 
You never followed God. You never gave up your old life. You're like, I... Okay, I prayed a prayer. What's going on? Didn't It's like magic. And someone deceived you into saying, if you pray this prayer, you'll have a new life. No, no, you'll have a new life if you follow Jesus. Then you'll have a new life. Second thing that could be happening in your life is that you're actually wrestling against a spirit that is trying to get you to act against your nature. This is getting too deep, isn't it? You could be wrestling against a spirit that wants you to do something that your, that your new man doesn't want to do. That's why Paul said that when you've done everything to stand, stand. Did you notice that there are seasons, there are storms when you're not actually gaining ground? You're just trying to keep what you got. Now, if your season has lasted like years... That's not called a season. It's called a lifestyle. But let me give you an example that is a very real example. You're going along and you've had, you know, I mean, since you've been a believer, you've had a moral life. You don't, you don't look at pornography. You watch over your thoughts. You don't sexualize people. Da, 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 da. You know, you got me. You're like, this is your life. This is, this is who I am. And then suddenly something happens to where you're having pornographic dreams, you're having pornographic thoughts, you're, 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 you feel like your soul's under this big siege. Now remember, I just described to you the person. This is not this person's behavior. What's happening? I can tell you what's happening most, most likely in that case. That person is is wrestling with the spirit of immorality. It's not something that's inside of them. It's something that's trying to get them. Are you with me? It can be anger. It can be the same thing. You know what? I'm not an angry person. I'm, you know, I'm usually whatever. I'm forgiving. I'm easygoing. I'm all, you know, it's just, this is not me. And suddenly, every time somebody, every time I'm in any kind of conflict, it feels like this anger, like rage, just wants to overcome me. That can be a spirit of rage or spirit of anger and what's it doing you're wrestling against it and it wants you to think it's you but when you look over your track record you look this is very odd either I just got this you know I am 25 years old I've never had this struggle before I'm 50 years old I've never had this struggle before and suddenly this is my behavior okay I could have heard I could have some other things going on but I could be struggling with some kind of spirit that is trying to, to destroy me. Are you with me? So it's like, it feels like my flesh because it's lust. Well, do you, have you had this? Do, have you struggled with this? Your life, this is your life pattern? No. And what happened? I don't know. I just like woke up one day and it's like, this thing is I just on me. I just, I'm just trying to break it. I, just, I dream about it. I have... You know, some lady walks by and I, I feel like I'm almost out of control. It's like, okay, that is a war. What do I do with it? I wrestle it down and destroy it. I don't feel like I have control over it. That's why it's called wrestling. You know, I love the book of Ephesians for, for lots of reasons, but you know, in chapter 1, Paul says he's put everything under our feet. Devil's under our feet, every principality, every name that's ever been named. 
Don't you love that? That's chapter 1. Chapter 6, he goes, our struggle. I'm like, hey, I thought we beat these guys up in chapter 1. Aren't you glad that's in the same book? Uh, Are you guys with me at all? Don't don't you love the fact that in chapter 1, he describes how completely he's put the enemy under your feet. He's given you all power over all the enemy. And then in chapter 6, he goes, well, there'll be times you wrestle with them. Dude, if you didn't write chapter 6, I would have been fine. How many of you know what I mean? Like, devil go, in the name of Jesus. I'm sitting in heavenly places. You're under my feet. Oh, you got stuck to my shoe, didn't you? I thought something stunk. You see what I mean? And then in chapter 6, he goes, well, sometimes you'll wrestle with them. And when you're wrestling, it's not your flesh. Well, how come I'm not wrestling with my flesh anymore? Well, you killed him. You can't wrestle with the dead man. You know, this is really good, actually. It actually, this is very practical, but it really is good. So the first reason that you could be having a struggle is that you actually didn't get saved. You prayed a prayer, but you never actually followed Jesus. And you come to church, but you've never become the church. And actually, you come to church to soothe your conscience. Like, well, if I go to a hot church, then I'll feel better about myself. But I actually still participate. I have two lives. I know people like that. They actually have two lives. They have the church life, and they have the other life. And those two lives, they... They, they actually only, actually, the truth is, they're actually dead. But you know what I mean. It's like they have two faces. They have two lives. And they're convinced that they're a Christian because they pray to prayer and they come to church. But they've never become the church, and sin is really their master. What do they need? They need a real conversion. What's a real conversion look like? It looks like I follow Jesus and I let him kill the old man, and what's that mean? I take, I get all the things, all my ambitions, everything, and I say, I listen, I'll, I'll exchange my ambitions for yours. I'll give you my heart, and you give me yours. Well, if I do that, I, I may not be able to do this. That's true. Because the first thing that happens is, is that you go from being a slave to sin, and you change slave camps, and you become a slave to Christ. Well, it doesn't sound like good news. If you get deep enough in sin, it will be. (laughs) Stay in that camp long enough, you love to be a good guy's slave. This is kind of quiet in here, huh? Okay, so anyway, the third reason why you could be struggling is because you received Jesus and then you cultivated that dead thing, and you go, we went back to the graveyard, and you kept breathing and breathing and breathing into it until the power that the Lord gave you to raise the dead, because he said, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse lap- lepers, and raise the dead. And you went back to the graveyard, and you raised Chris Velton. You went to the tombstone, dug him up, and raised him from the dead. 
And you took the power that God gave you to raise the dead, and you raised your old man from the dead, and you're carrying that sucker around, wondering why James chapter 1 means so much to you, because you become double-minded. You know, it actually means, if you look up the word double-minded, I looked it up in the Greek, and it means to have two minds, like two brains in the same skull. And that's what happens when you raise the old man and you let him possess you and you let the spirit possess you, the new man possess you, and you end up with being double-minded. And what does James say? You're not going to get anything from God because you're double-minded and, and you're, 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 you're unstable in all your ways. Why are you unstable? Because you dug up the old, the old nature and you let him live in the temple. Like when Tobiah, you know, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls. Remember this? The main enemy, the main enemy of the, wall, the rebuilding of the walls was a guy named Tobiah. If you read the, you read the book of Nehemiah. Tobiah was his main enemy. Chapter 4 and chapter 6, Tobiah is the one who's telling him, you're no good, what you're doing is no good, it's not going to work. Do you guys remember this at all? I think it's chapter 10 or chapter 11, Nehemiah comes back years later just to see how it's going because the walls are all rebuilt, the temple's there. And Tobiah, the enemy that resisted the rebuilding of the walls, is actually living in the temple. Selah. And Nehemiah, who means comforter, who's the comforter? Nehemiah's name means comforter. This is kind of interesting. He grabs Tobiah by the beard and pulls his beard out. How many know that the one who comforts you can terrorize others? He pulls his beard out, pulls the guy's hair out, and throws him out of the temple. How many know sometimes the guy who was, you know... uh, Isaiah chapter 60, I think it's verse 17, says, You'll call your walls salvation and your gates praise. How many know that when Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls, he was rebuilding the walls of salvation? And Tobiah was the one trying to keep him from rebuilding the walls of salvation. So you know who he represents in the Bible. When they got the walls of salvation built, somehow Tobiah got inside the walls and started living in the temple. Is that an example of of raising the old man from the dead and letting him live in the inner core of who you are, or what? And what happens? The comforter has to come in, comfort you, and kill him. That's a good word. That's a bad word, but it's a good word right there. Did you get that? Okay, so what is the fruit that the big S spirit is leading you? Because how many of you know you have two spirits in you? You have the Holy Spirit, right? You are the temple of the what? And you also have your spirit. So you have a little S and a big S spirit. The goal is for the big S spirit to be leading you, not the little S. Now remember that you can be led by the spirit, little s, it will be spiritual, but it isn't necessarily God. Can I say that one more time for you? You can be led by the Spirit, little s, your spirit, and you can be very spiritual. I know Christians, these are real Christians who are very spiritual, but you know what? And they're not being led by demons. 
But they're not being led by the big S spirit either. They're being led by the little S spirit. Their spirit. And it's kind of funny because it really is spiritual. The stuff they get is spiritual, but it's not wholly spiritual. It's just their spirit. How do I know if I'm building a friendship with the big S Holy Spirit? How do I know? Okay, well that's why it's called the fruit of the big S Spirit. What is the fruit that I am actually building a relationship with the Holy Spirit? And not just having a relationship with my spirit. How many of you know that you can... Boy, is this getting too weird? How many know that there's such thing as spiritual self-talk? And it's good. Like, you talking to yourself is good. It's one of the things that even psychologists say. They call it self-talk. And they say, one of the things you should do is talk kindly to yourself. David said he encouraged himself in the Lord. So, how many of you know that your spirit can counsel you? Little s. Your spirit can counsel you. Your spirit can talk to you. You can have a conversation with your... And I'm not talking about being crazy. (laughs) That's over the line. (laughs) You counsel yourself every day. In fact, I think the latest study says 1,200 words a minute. You speak to yourself approximately 1,200 words a minute of self-talk. You talk to yourself about 1,200 words a minute. Every minute of your waking day. So you're talking to yourself all day long. How do I know if these conversations I have are building relationship with my spirit? Because how many of you know it's good to know yourself? Romans 12 said, Paul said, do, um, Paul said something in Romans 12 that's very important for us to know. <laughs> he said, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think as to have sound judgment. So how many of you know it's okay to think about yourself? It's okay to have a conversation with yourself. It's okay to get to know who you are. That means, I know this sounds really weird. I feel like a psychologist up here. It's okay, not only okay, it's recommended that you have a conversation with yourself inside and you get to know you. But how do you know if you're actually getting to know you or you're getting to know the Holy Spirit through these spiritual connections you're making? Well, I can tell you, if you're making spiritual connections with the Holy Spirit, here's the fruit that you're actually interacting with the Holy Spirit over time and you're building a relationship and a friendship with Him. The fruit of that is that you will have love. See, you can't humanly produce agape, love. Someone says, my husband doesn't love me. I say, is he a believer? No, he can't love you. Why? Because that love's only possessed by God. You know, I, I married a, 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 a girl. She's not a believer. But, you know, she's a really nice girl. That's good. You know, the only problem with her, she has a nature that's bent on wickedness, and she can't love you with the love of God because she doesn't have it. Yeah, well, this problem, we have this problem in our marriage. I don't know if she loves me. Well, the first problem is she doesn't love her. Why doesn't she? She doesn't have the love to love her with because she doesn't know God. Silly. (laughs) It's a bummer when you marry down. 
Ooh, I never said that before either. I wouldn't want to put that on a podcast. I'm kind of profound tonight. Is humility in here? (laughs) See, it's not one of the fruits of the Spirit. (laughs) Self-control is, though. Okay. (laughs) The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Did you notice I displayed that right before I said it? Peace, we prayed for that. Patience, that's happening with you right now. (laughs) Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Gentleness. Self-control. You know, if if, if you can control yourself, it's one of the signs that you're building a relationship with the big S spirit. I feel out of control. Well, you need to build a relationship with the Holy Spirit because He's the only one who lets you control you. Because if you don't build a relationship with the Holy Spirit, other forces will control you. That's another good word right there. Isn't it? You know why I know that? It's in the Bible. And this book is a bestseller. Does this make any sense to you tonight? I want to be led by the Spirit. How do I know if I'm being led by the Spirit? You know, I pray and I don't, like, I pray and I still don't know what to order. Okay, well, that's important, but let's, let's go to the root of what's really important to God. What's really important to God is not what you do, but who you are. So the first thing the Holy Spirit's trying to do is make you a human being. The human doing part, that's the second level of being led by the Spirit. Did you notice that? Like Paul, when Paul says... He who are led by the Spirit, sons of God, he doesn't give you a list of ways to hear the prophetic voice of God. Did you notice that? He goes, you'll know you're being led by the Spirit if you, if you know whether to go to Macedonia or Arcasia. No. You'll know you're being led by the Spirit if these lustful, immoral, immoral ruthless, jealous, devious... All those things. If those things are not a part of your life, you know you're a son of God. Why? Because those are the signs of your old nature. How do I know if the Holy Spirit's leading me? You'll have love, joy, peace, patience. Now, how many of you know it doesn't mean you get those in one day because it says it's the fruit. How many of you know fruit takes time to grow in your life? How many of you know that there are some of us who cultivate certain fruit of the Spirit because we, we don't... Let's see, I want to say this. Some of, us, some, some of us need to cultivate other fruits 
of the <laughs> of the Spirit in our life. Because we assure ourselves that because we have love and joy and peace, that's all right that we don't have gentleness, self-control, and kindness. But the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate His whole nature and character into our lives. Are you with me? How many of you have figured out that it's so much easier to work on your strengths than it is your weaknesses? You know, when pastor preaches on tithing, you can tell who's tithing. All the tithers are gone. It's a good word. Speaks on generosity. Preach it, brother, that's a good word. You can tell all the people who aren't tithing. They're like, there are other verses in the Bible, pastor, can we get past this? You know, it's just easier to work on your, on your strengths than it is your weaknesses. And it's funny, you know, it's like, if, I, if I'm really generous, and, you know, I'm giving 30% of my income, it's funny how I can suck at something else, but I'm, my goal is to, make, to next year give 35. When maybe I need to work on kindness. I don't know if you know what I'm getting at. Like, it's just so much easier to go... I'm just going to give more money because I'm generous already. And it's like, well, maybe you should. That's good. Have a great goal there. And people are like, they're waiting for you to have self-control. In fact, I know some Christians that give you gifts after they lose control. Because they're really generous, but they suck at self-control. And somehow it's supposed to be a peace offering. You get about three of those and they're no longer tasteful. It's like, I'd rather you not be generous and how about using a little self-control and honor here? How many, how many of you are getting what I'm saying? It's like, I'd rather you like, listen, I appreciate your gift, but I just assume you don't talk to me like that. It's like, it feels like you're trying to buy me off with what you're good at. And how about you just... Let the Holy Spirit work on these other areas in your life so that you are actually a well-rounded Christian. Now, I'll have all these areas down. <laughs> That's why the Lord is letting me talk to you about this. Look at verse 30, uh, 26. Let us not become boastful. <laughs> challenging one another and envying one another. That's why I read that to you. How many of you know everybody in this room has some stuff to work on? Everybody. Everybody has some stuff to work on. I remember, I remember thinking, I, I, I actually remember all through high school, I thought, I am really a patient person. Seriously. You know how you have this self-identity? Everybody has it. You know, you have... You, you, you know, there's certain areas you go, I, I, I'm not very good at that. I don't do that very well. But I thought, I am really a patient person. I, honestly, I know. Seems, I, I get it, I know. I get You're like, can the man be that deceived? 
I really thought I was a very patient person. I always thought I was a very patient person. And then we had our first child. Yeah, I inherited impatience from my kids. Have you ever had your kid cry for like 48 hours straight? Our kids didn't do that, but there's people's kids who do that. I remember, I remember Jason crying. I mean crying and crying and crying and crying. We had him to the doctor. We couldn't find anything wrong with him. And he cried. I, I, I mean, he probably took little breaks in between, you know, like minutes. But he must have cried for, I don't know, Kathy could tell you she's better at time. At least, at least two days. He just cried day and night. And I remember, I'll never forget, as long as I live, I remember coming home one night from work, just a really hard day at work. I opened the door, and when I opened the door, Kathy was waiting at the door, and she sprang out of the door like a cat. And she was, she was white, and she said, I have to get out of here. And I'm like, all right, Whatever. And she got in the car and she drove off. <laughs> you know Kathy, like, she's like... Like, patience in the dictionary has a picture of her right there. That's why we're still married. Because of the patience we have. And she got in the car and she drove off. She didn't say where she's going or anything, you know. And it didn't, I mean, the whole thing happened so fast, it didn't even dawn on me to ask her when she's coming back, if she's coming back. <laughs> and I walked in the house to hearing Jason in his, in, standing in his crib screaming, screaming. Now, this is like day two. So I go in there and I'm like, you know, whatever, I can handle this. And I pick him up, and he's screaming in my ear. I, like, I walk him, nothing, nothing stops. About two and a half hours, she's still gone. About two and a half hours goes by. Now, she's been doing this all day. Two and a half hours goes by. This kid is not crying. He's screaming. I walk in the room. I open the door. I slam the door against the wall. And I said, shut up! And I started screaming, I said, shut up! And he was, <laughs> whatever. I closed the door. I'm walking down the stairs. I'm like, I know why some people beat their kids. All completely, the second day, completely at the end of my rope. I could, it's just like, it found a, something in there that I didn't even know was there. Huh? Have you ever been through, I mean, not necessarily a child, but through an experience like that? Like, it took you past your human ability to perform. I'm like, I get it. I see why. It's not all right that people do bad stuff to, when they get in situations. But I, I, I so scared myself. Thankfully, I didn't touch him. But I, I closed the door and I came down and I laid on the floor 
and I cried. Not because he was crying, but because of what happened in me. I'm like, that scared me really bad. Like, I totally lost control of myself. I am screaming at someone I really love, and I am out of control. And that feeling of being out of control scared the heck out of me. And he screamed all that night, and I I don't remember how long it was before finally whatever was wrong got settled, but have you ever been there? Have you ever been past yourself? And you're like, Holy Spirit, I need you right now, because this, what I'm in right now, is testing everything it's testing my human ability. And I, have, I see where my human ability has... That's where I am right there. And, and I, have to, I have to keep going. So I'm, I'm, I'm stepping off this cliff, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm needing you to be there. You know, like the, the movie, Indiana Jones. I'm needing you to be there because this is beyond my ability. I cannot do this. And the Holy Spirit comes in and says, Okay, let's... Let's produce my fruit in your life. Let's supernaturally give you what you couldn't do. Like, I love he- signs and wonders and healings and miracles, but let me tell you something. If you don't have self-control and he gives you self-control by his fruit, that's is every bit as powerful as a healing. Seriously. If you, if you don't have peace in your life and the Holy Spirit gives you his character trait of peace that's every bit as powerful as someone being healed of cancer if you're the one who doesn't have peace how many of you how many of you experience some of these things coming to you supernaturally and you absolutely know like you know what I was a nervous worrying person and one day I started to seek the Holy Spirit for the for his fruit in my life and finally, I came to peace and joy. And I know I don't even possess that in myself, but the Holy Spirit's working in me to, possess, to, to, to put those qualities in my life that I was not born with. How many of you have some qualities in your life you were not born with? And you know, listen, if the Holy Spirit left, these qualities would be gone because these qualities are not something I possess in myself. How many of you have those? I certainly do. And you know that you have them when you get... Jason crying all night. Uh, it's you know I'm using it as a metaphor, but you get beyond your your you get beyond your human nature, you get beyond even your good human nature, your new human nature, and you go Holy Spirit, this is beyond what I can do. And the Holy Spirit says it's time for you to produce fruit, my fruit in your life. And then he goes. Peace to you. Have you ever been in, in the, the terrible circumstances, terrible circumstances, and you have so much peace, you almost feel guilty for it? And of course, we've all had the other, right? We probably all had small circumstances that we made huge. Come on, come on, it's family time. But have you ever been in a huge circumstance? where you're just like, I have no idea why. I should, this is like me, I would be totally stressed out about this. But something is in me, and I'm like, I am to- like, I don't know why I'm good, but I'm good. It's just the Holy Spirit, just, He just breathed, just, He just said, peace to you. 
And you're acting outside of yourself. And you know what's happening? You're reassuring yourself you're a son of God. You're a daughter of the king. Why? Because you're behaving outside of your normal nature. I'm not talking about your evil nature. I'm talking about even outside of your normal human ability to perform. Suddenly the Holy Spirit has taken control of your life. And he says, listen, why don't you just let me guide you? Why don't you let me lead you through this situation? Why don't you let me comfort you? Why don't you let me... Why don't you let me protect you? Why don't you let me counsel you? Why don't you let me lead you into truth right here? Why don't you give up trying? Why don't you give up trying to look it up in your concordance and take five minutes and lay on the floor right now and let me tell you what I think about that? I'm good with the concordance. I'm just giving you an example. Why don't you just, why don't you just build a relationship with me? Because right now, I'd like you to put the concordance down, let your renewed mind rest, and I'd like to give you my ideas. And I kind of want to finish with this thought. And you know, we'll do probably a couple more weeks on this. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And I'll just finish with a little homework. It does mean that we have to take some time to stop and let the Holy Spirit talk to us. I know this is deep, right? How many of you know that the most profound things that actually create the greatest relationship with God are so profound, but they are very hard because we all live like crazy busy lives. And God goes, give me 10 minutes. And it's like he's asking us for like, do you want to go on a mission trip to Africa? And he goes, would you give me 10 minutes? Would you give me 15 minutes in the morning? And we're like, well, I'll have to actually change my whole schedule. <laughs> well, that'd be a cultural change for me, you know. Getting up 15 minutes earlier, I need my sleep. Can you give it to me in a dream? <laughs> I told you this, and I'll end with this story, but a few years ago, this is probably four years ago, I kept waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, this like went on for like two months. 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd be up just like that. Just 3 o'clock, I'd be dead awake. Just, just awake, completely awake. And I would lay there from 3 to 5. And the first about two weeks, all I did was lay there. This, you know, and if you have insomnia, the worst thing to do is think about the fact that you have it. <laughs> How many of you know what I mean there? It's like, all right, why do I have insomnia? Why do I keep waking up at three? What's going on? And so about two weeks into this, I thought, you know, I probably ought to pray. So I said, it's really, this is really the truth. It's embarrassing. I said, Lord, why am I waking up at three? This is the truth. He said, I wake you up every morning at three. I've been doing it for two weeks. I said, why don't you, why are you waking me up at three? Like, and this went on for two months. He said, because you don't give me any time during the day. I need to spend time with you, so the only time I can get your attention is when you stop working. So I woke up at three for two months. And then I decided, you know, if I pray while I'm awake... <laughs> Seriously, it cured my insomnia. Like, what I did is I started praying at eight. I did that for a week, and I stopped waking up at three. 
that was awesome. It took me two months to figure that out because even after he told me, like, I'm waking you up at three because you're, you're not giving me any time, I'm like, oh, cool, I thought it was a good thing. Lord wakes me up at three. I got the early morning watch. You know, in about two months of exhaustion, I realized, like, this is the spirit of stupid. Why don't I just pray during the day and then I can sleep all night? Then I start praying during the day, and the Lord's all, yeah, this is good too. How many know the Lord wants a relationship with you way worse than you want one with Him? Amen. Why don't you stand up and we'll think of something to do. You have any ideas? You have any ideas? You do? Okay, come up and lead in it. Thank you, Lord. Chris is going to lead us. Thank you very much.